Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 43, our look at the future of combination therapies, plus, from the more recent vault, a section of a May 2022 episode on Nash drug development that presages the topics we discuss in this week's episode. After I share the history of this episode, lead author and principal investigator Naeem Al-Khoury discusses the rationale for the study. He starts by noting that while semaglutide has an array of benefits for Nash patients, it has not demonstrated antifibrotic effects, which led to a search for combination therapies that would improve Sema's antifibrotic profile. He then discusses the trial and its results in some detail. When he concludes, Jorn Schottenberg points out that one benefit of multiple modes of action is the use of lower doses of each agent, which can create a superior safety profile when compared to what high-dose monotherapy would do. Next, Louise Campbell asks how the duration of study might affect results, and Mazen Nouradine provides an answer. After that, Mazen makes one more point. As an open-label study with no placebo arm, this might not be the preferred way to evaluate unapproved therapies, but it is likely to become a dominant design once drugs are approved for NASH and we are seeking combination therapies atop an already approved backbone agent. This conversation considers in broad terms the practical, clinical, and commercial issues that will frame the future of frontline drug development for the entire range of NASH patients, focusing both on drugs and, in a sense, diagnostics. It leaves a great deal for all of us to ponder. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn or Facebook discussion group. This subject for this podcast popped up, I think, in May originally when the online version of the paper that Hepatology actually printed, I think this is printing this week, September 1st episode, if I'm reading that right, in JHEP? JHEP. In JHEP, that's right, which was a, a paper taking a look at the combination therapy of semaglutide, sulfoxyphrocosistat. Naeem has mentioned that on this podcast, I think, once or twice since, or, or in some setting with me. It might be the podcast because the only time we've, we've recorded since then. And uh, it's an exciting and interesting paper, and I think it speaks to an issue we've talked about a couple of times, which is different ways to think about combination therapies, not being what they were in the first place, which is if two drugs fail in mono, can I put them together in combo, and turning into, okay, what are all the different things that we want to do. So I'm hoping with the aid of first author, Dr. Al Corey, and last author, Dr. Nouradine, if I got the orders right on that, and everybody, that we can go through the thinking behind how do you think about which drugs belong together in combination? What can we learn about that from how this study got constructed? And then the results of this study and what you think it pretends for the future. So Naeem or Mazen, take your pick. Let's start on how did, how did, how did all this start and where did you start on it? Mazen Nuruddine. I will let Naeem take the leading role as he's the PI of the study. And I want to remind everyone of his excellent presentation. I think it was during ASLD, Naeem, right? Virtual one and yeah. I, I was very impressed the way you handled the questions actually. Uh, Naeem Al Khoury. Thank you, my dear friend. So, yeah, uh, Roger, I presented this at ASLD 2020. It took us a while to get this published, but I'll give you some of the background. Obviously, as you mentioned, you know, it's a combination three medications semaglutide, which everyone knows, GLP 1 agonist, silofexor, uh, which is an FXR agonist, kind of similar to obedocolic acid, and then fursocostat, which is what we call de novo lipogenesis inhibitor. 
So we had the phase 2B with the semaglutide alone that showed the great efficacy in terms of NASH resolution in 59%. When we think about NASH drugs, we're not just thinking about hepatic endpoints. We're also thinking about the effects on metabolic syndrome and uh, cardiovascular outcomes. And uh, semaglutide hits every point. I mean, patients lose weight, they improve dyslipidemia, they improve their A1C insulin sensitivity, and they have you know proven cardiovascular outcomes, especially in patients with type 2 diabetes. So semaglutide is a great medicine, but the only missing piece was really efficacy on fibrosis regression. And this has been the Achilles heel. And the fact that, you know, the mechanism of improvement is related to weight loss and not everyone loses weight on uh, GLP-1 agonists. This is the rationale why we needed to look into combination therapy with semaglutide and we needed medications that have antifibrotic effects. So Gilead had a program that had three drugs in it, Silonsertib, uh, which was not effective, but uh, the other two drugs were Silofexor and Fersocostat. And uh, we had the ATLAS trial that included about 400 patients, all biopsy-proven disease with F3, F4. And in that trial, we noticed that if you look at the combination of Fersocostat plus Silofexor, there was regression of fibrosis by one stage in about 21% of patients. And in the placebo arm, it was 11%. Now, this did not meet statistical significance just because the study was underpowered and we had arms with the Salonsertib that had no efficacy. So it was really hard to make conclusive arguments that this combination by itself is going to work. But that was a really high risk patient population because 56% had cirrhosis. And to see fibrosis regression in 21%, in my mind, this is very clinically meaningful. So this was the rationale why to use the Silofex or Fersocostat plus uh, semaglutide. And then we designed the study and I'm happy to go through the protocol quickly and maybe give like an overview of the top line results. But this was everyone received semaglutide, so there was no pure placebo because we wanted to show that the combination had added benefit on top of semaglutide alone. Uh, so the first arm was semaglutide, and then uh, we had uh, semaglutide plus fersocostat alone, semaglutide plus silofexor low dose 30 milligrams, semaglutide with high dose silofexor 100 milligrams, and then we did the triple combination therapy, so semaglutide, fersocostat, and silofexor. And we included patients with biopsy-proven NASH, F2, F3, or at a non-invasive way to diagnose NASH, which was basically MRI PDFF more than 10% plus liver stiffness more than 7 kPa. And we did not want to include cirrhotics in the study, so we used the fibro test less than 0.75 to exclude cirrhotic patients. And patients were treated for 6 months, 24 weeks, so a relatively short term. And not to get into too many details, but in terms of weight loss, the weight loss was similar across the groups. Everyone lost about uh, 7 to 8%. But when we looked at MRI PDFF improvement, we noticed the highest reduction was with the triple combination therapy, so Simafir, Silofexor. And if you look at that 30% relative reduction from baseline, which has been used to predict histologic improvement, uh, 92% achieved that with the triple combination therapy versus 80% with semaglutide. And then we even raised the bar. So we said, okay, how many achieved more than 50% reduction from baseline in terms of liver fat on PDFF? And that was achieved in 85% with the triple combination compared to 40% with semaglutide. And then we took it even to 70% relative reduction. And that was about one third of patients with triple combination versus only 7% with semaglutide. So we see clear evidence that the triple combination has added benefit. And then we also saw a reduction in A 
ALT, AST. There was some reduction also in uh, CK18, cytokeratin 18, biomarker of hepatocyte uh, apoptosis. And then we also looked at liver stiffness on fiber scan, and we used a, a 25% reduction from baseline, and we showed that about 50% achieved this with the triple combination compared to about 35% with semaglutide monotherapy. And then we also looked at the FAST score that includes the CAP for liver steatosis, uh, liver stiffness for fibrosis, and AST for inflammation. And we showed reduction in um, the FAST score at 0.39. Remember, the FAST goes from 0 to 1. So, you know, this is about 30% reduction compared to only uh, 0.19 with semaglutide monotherapy. So again, indicating that potentially the triple combination has higher efficacy. The other thing we looked at was also how did semaglutide help with some of the liabilities that Xylofexor and Chrysocostat have. Chrysocostat can uh, increase your triglycerides and Xylofexor can increase your LDL. And we noticed that we mitigated these adverse events by adding semaglutide. And this is one other angle we think about combination therapy. In addition to increasing efficacy, can we mitigate some of the concerning adverse events? So we feel like this combination is hitting on both, increasing efficacy, but also mitigating some of the dyslipidemia issues that we have with Fersocostat and Silofexor. So sorry for taking too long, but uh, I've been very involved in this study. This is like my baby. So just wanted to give you the historic background and the overall top line results. So first of all, I mean, that wasn't long at all, and that was fantastic. Let me offer other people questions before I ask any. Go ahead. Questions? Jarn Schattenberg. Yeah, congratulations, Naeem and uh, Maz, and I think an outstanding study really down the line of combining multiple MOAs to increase the efficacy, as you nicely detailed, on a lot of NITs. But something that was very interesting to me is that you mentioned toward the end was that the safety concerns you might get from the addition of multiple drugs or it could even be a, a little bit dampened uh, when you compare it to the individual drugs. So I think this is very appealing when we consider that each drug has a rational to be used in, in, in NAFLD and each drug has side effects. And it was reassuring that the lower drug, uh, the lower concentration of the FXR, which gives us side effects in terms of, you know, pruritus potentially or LDL could be used and that these changes were even decreased. So I think that's a very reassuring and that that's the, to me, that's the powerful message out of this. I think it's difficult to really deep dive into the efficacy differences based on the small groups and the multiple comparisons, but really the strong, strong messages you can combine and you can mitigate uh, the safety that comes up. That was my take and congratulations again. I think that's really a strong way forward. Louise, you, you have anything on Mars and you have anything you want to add about the paper? Louise Campbell. No, oh, I'll just echo Sean. Congratulations, guys, on that paper. It seemed a wonderful read and um, some great information coming out. As Sean said, it's encouraging to know that the side effect profile, although they were there, they seem to be dampened down. That's what patients want. I think, Naeem, you mentioned that it was a relatively short study. Is there any chance that these drugs may wane over time or how long the proposed treatments would be? Because they did seem very efficacious, certainly in the combinations. I can take a shot at this. I want to thank Louise and the Matt Damon of Nash for their comments. <laughs> um, actually, you know, the first comment I want to make in terms of the duration of study I think the study still could have shown also more positive results if it extended uh, beyond the duration. Because as you know, SEMA is a titration up and it takes about 16 weekish to titrate. So you can argue that you barely reach the, the therapeutic those that you know, it's, it's going to be used for. So this is one. On the other hand, as Naeem mentioned, there was a significant effect on 
reduction of the fat. So at one point, it's going to peak, continue to peak, and then you are not going to have much more fat to melt, if you want to say, and the effects will be on inflammation and fibrosis, which we thought that these drugs or the um, other mechanisms added, not saying that Sima did, doesn't do that. I think it will if you use it for a good duration of time. So this is one. I also have a comment on the trial itself and its importance. Well, you can say this is open label, there are, there's no placebo arm, there's no biopsy. But if you really look at it from future standpoint, let's think about it in a way that SEMA was approved. Let's say, I mean, we, we think erosmetaram is going to be approved first, but let's say SEMA is the first drug that is approved on the market. Let's say now we are an award beyond the liver biopsy. That what future clinical trials might look like. A drug that is efficacious and now you're adding to it and using NITs to see improvement in the fat, fibrosis and inflammation beyond liver biopsy. So I think this design will not be foreign in the future, will not be inadequate, rather it might become the standard of care for NASH clinical trials, including and hopefully registration clinical trials. Of course, I'm not saying those are the right NITs. This needs to be determined. This needs to be a little bit more work. But I think that the study was futuristic in a way or another. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. The next three weeks will be devoted to previewing and then covering the Paris Nash meeting and the Easel Navaldi Summit. September is a brutal month for travel schedules and, as a result, podcast scheduling. We'll be using some hybrid episode designs, and both Jorn and Louise will miss some episodes. I'll be here for all of them. It will be a challenge and a bit of a wild ride for me, but if you know me by now, you know I love a challenge. So stick with us as we move through the month. If you're in the U.S., enjoy Labor Day. Wherever you are, enjoy the transition to what we hope will be more temperate weather. Stay safe and surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.